Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to read from verse 37 uh, through to verse 40. And you read it with me, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through to verse 40. And once you get to that chapter, if you'd stand to your feet, amen, once we're all standing, then we'll uh, read God's word together tonight. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. Praise the Lord. Let's all read it together. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, tonight we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you for it. And we pray that wherever your word is proclaimed and preached tonight, that you would anoint it, that you would speak, Lord, with that voice that wakens the dead. Oh, God, tonight just anoint us to hear, anoint us to preach, and that the name of Jesus would be lifted up. We ask all these mercies. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together tonight. Just over these past number of weeks on Sunday night, we, we were looking at my house should be a, called a house of prayer. And then we have moved into just the cleansing of the temple. We looked at when the Lord came in his earthly ministry, uh, at the beginning of his ministry, also towards the end of his ministry. He came to the temple and there he cleansed, he overturned the tables, he cleansed the temple. And uh, we see just through the practical the practical aspects and the principles that were there, that he desired his house to be a house of prayer for all people. And then we see the the climax of that really with the prophecy of Christ that the whole temple would be uh, completely destroyed, not one stone would be left on top of another. It became a complete misrepresentation of everything of who he was. And by AD 70, we know that the temple was destroyed. He has created a new temple, a new house, not made with hands. It's a spiritual house. It's the gathering of the people of God. And here, if we just turn over, I want to look at some things in Revelation chapter 1. We touched on it last week, but I just want to pick it up tonight. And just in these verses, you know, over these last number of days, just looking at uh, these verses in Revelation chapter 1, then in the Revelation chapter 2. You know, I just really, it has really struck me. I've read it so many times. I know all of us have been there. We've read scripture. We read over the verses. We read over the chapters. We take the time to meditate upon it. And then there's sometimes, and it's a wonderful thing, when you're just stopped by God, the Holy Spirit, as you're reading the words you begin to grasp the magnitude of what you're reading. And I just pray tonight that that's what God would do. He would cause us to grasp the magnitude of what actually we're reading tonight. And in Revelation chapter 1, uh, verse 10, I want to read here from verse 10 through to 20 to give us the context before we go into Revelation chapter 2. John writes, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in the book and send it unto seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. 
And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, and as if they burned in the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Write these things which thou hast seen. The things which are, this is an important verse, the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. Now the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. We, we see here, an encounter with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We see seven angels, which are the seven messengers, the messengers that are sent to bring the word of God to each of those churches. We see the seven candlesticks that represent the seven churches. The candlestick, of course, in the Old Testament was a critical part of the tabernacle and of the temple. In Exodus chapter 39 and verse 37, we see there that the candlestick was a candlestick, pure gold, but the candlestick was, and the oil was for the light. The only source of light to that tabernacle and that temple was this candlestick. It had to be, it had to be tended to, it had to be kept on a daily basis. It had to be trimmed. It had to be made ready every day that priest would go in and he would make that preparation for that lamp. That was the only source, the only source of, of light into that tabernacle. The oil, of course, is a type of the Holy Spirit. The divine, the, 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 the beaten gold is a, is a type of the divine presence of God. The seven candlesticks which thou saw, Jesus said, are the seven churches. And so we see the, how critical it was for the church to have the candlestick. The source of the church was the candlestick. It's Jesus Christ. He's the source. He's the fountainhead. He's the reason. He's the purpose. He's the gathering. He's why we're here. Without him, we have nothing. He is our everything. So we read in Revelation chapter 2. And if you turn over to it, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1. We see that the Lord comes to the midst of the churches. He's in the midst of these seven churches. These were seven literal churches, of course. And he comes to that which is first. And I believe the order of the churches are important. It's not a mistake. But there's an order in how God begins to reveal to us his purpose and his plan. The first church, of course, was the church at Ephesus. It was a literal church. And chapter 2 and verse 1 says, if you read it 
Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's in the midst of the church. I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them to be liars, and hast borne and has had patience for my name's sake, hast thou labored and hast not fainted. Verse 4, he says, <clears throat> Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. I just want you to listen to these words. Because thou hast left thy first love. I honestly can tell you, I couldn't tell you many times that I've read this, I've heard it preached, and I've preached on it myself. I want, I just want us to listen very carefully. Is it possible, and, I, and the answer of course is yes, but is it possible that a church can fall out of love with Jesus? Think about it for a moment. Is it possible that a saint, that a Christian could fall out of love with Jesus? It is possible because we're reading about a church that fell out of love with Jesus. He said, I've something against you. You have left your first love. In Matthew chapter 22, all the law and the prophets hang on these two great commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. This is what it all hangs on. This is what it all rests upon. Jesus comes into this church. I believe it's important because it's first. But they'd left their first love. He says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. Or else I will come quickly. And what will he do? I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. What did the candlestick represent? The presence, the source, the life, everything of him except there was a repentance in this church in Ephesus that there would be a taking away of the candlestick. This is what Jesus said. But this thou hast, that thou hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Then he said these words, how critical these are to the churches in Revelation. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You remember in chapter 1, we read the verse there in verse 19. John's instructed that here to write these things which thou hast seen. And he says, these things which are, first of all, the seven churches of Asia Minor are seven literal churches. They existed. We read this morning in Acts chapter 19 of this church at Ephesus when Paul came and he found believers and they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit and he prayed on them and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost. We see a church that was born full of the Holy Ghost at Ephesus. This is the same church that Jesus now is in the midst of that church and he is inspecting as it were, sanctifying, searching out in the midst of that church. And he finds that this church had fallen out of love with him. 
individuals, not just a building, because it's nothing to do with the building. There was a people here that actually had left what this was all about. There was individuals that had been certainly busy in the work of God, but yet they had somehow or other over time, over a period of time, they had fallen out of love with Jesus Christ. You know, as I began to think and stop and look and listen and read over it and read over it, I began to grasp the enormity of what was happening. What was taking place as Christ came into the midst of that church as he, as he walked the aisles, as it were, as he walked from row to row, from individual to individual on the outward. It seems certainly from what you look at and see at this church at Ephesus, this was a really good church in the eyes of man. It was also a good church in the eyes of God. He commended them for so many things. But on closer inspection, if you like, when he went deeper into the heart of individuals and into the heart of the church, he found, he found in the midst of all of that activity, the, the, the tragedy that this church had left its first love. They no longer loved him like they once did. There was a time that they were passionately in love with Jesus. There was a time when they were, they were all out for him. He had their hearts. He had won their hearts. He, had, he wooed them by his spirit to the great love of God. He touched their lives and they loved him with all of their heart. Sadly, we've come to a time now where as he comes to look into that church and to search by the Holy Spirit into the very heart of that church, they no longer loved him like they once did. The words are sobering. They really are sobering. He says, I have something against you. This was his church. This was what it was in Ephesus. In verse 19 of chapter 1, he says, Write these things which thou hast seen, the things which are. And then there's a prophetic part of Ephesus. There's a prophetic part of the seven churches. There's many diverse thoughts upon it. But we know that there's a prophetic element of the seven churches and the things which shall be hereafter. This church was raised up as an example at that time of what would happen in the ages to come. Throughout the world, there would be at times churches that were good churches, commendable in the eyes of God. But sadly, the individual people amongst that church had left Listen, they had left their first love. We often talk, and we know that in this nation that there are, there are so many backsliders that are out in the world, out in the pubs, out in the clubs, out in the world, out in darkness tonight. They once walked with God, but now they're, they're gone into the world. But this is something slightly different because these this was the church. They were active in the work of God. They were faithful to the things of God. They were there. They were, they were committed, if you like. But yet, somehow or another, over a period of time, they had left their first love. Now, Jesus commands them, if, if you take uh, verse 2 here and you look at this church, he says, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know that you can't bear that which is evil. I know that you've tried them which say they're apostles. They had discernment and they're not. 
and you had found those men to be liars. Verse 3 says, you have born, you have had patience, and for my name's sake, you have labored. They, they were, this, if you just picked this up and, you know, you looked at this church, if you think about, I know there's, there's something, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I think it's called the secret worshiper. Don't look at it, by the way, but there's someone who goes around all the churches all the time, and he, he himself makes himself the judge of the church. So you'll find out, what this church is, he preaches too long, I like their music, I didn't like their music, nobody said hello, nobody shook my hand, they didn't give me a cup of tea, and he grades the church, it's actually a terrible thing to be quite frank about it, it's a terrible thing, but if you were reading this, here's a church, the church at Ephesus, here's a church that works, here's a church that labors, here's a church that has patience, here's a church that has a discernment, here's a church that is able to discern between good and evil. They're born, they've had patience for my namesake, they've labored, and they never fainted. They were faithful. Then Jesus said, but nevertheless, I have something that I need to say to you. I have something that in all of this, and all the busyness and everything of what's going on, there's something I need to say. I need to speak. I need to share with you. I need to speak into your life. He says, because, friends, there was only one person that knew this. It wasn't the minister. It wasn't the person beside you. It wasn't the man at the back or the woman at the front. There was only one man that knew this, and his name was Jesus. And he says, you've left your first love. Do you know, that's the word, of course. In the Greek, the agape, not love, not the filial love, not the feeling love that Oh, I need to feel this. I need to feel that. But this is the love of God. They had left that love. How? Let me ask the question tonight. How? How can it happen? How is it possible? How is it possible that someone could leave their first love? First of all, we do know that it happens. Or it's not. That's the reason why it's here. And who really knows about it? Well, the only person that really knows is Jesus himself. Nobody else. But how does it happen? How, how does it really happen? How is it possible for a church, for an individual, for a people to fall out of love with Jesus? Well, I want to just share a few things with you. What you love, listen carefully, what you love is what you'll spend your time on. Listen carefully, this is just simple things, but it's so true. What you love is what you're going to spend your time on. You know, we have a world that's vying for your time. We have a world that wants your time. We have, we have a world that's trying to accommodate, to prioritize, to take your time. But what you love, you'll spend time. It's not true. It's true even in the natural. What I love, I want to be with. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 14, John writes and says these words, 1 John 2 and verse 14, he says, I've written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you, young men, because you're strong, 
and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Then he says this, love not the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father, the agape love is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Love not the world. To be engaged in worldly activity constantly. Focus, spending all your time. And it may not even be sinful things. I'm not talking about that you're out and getting drunk and whatever else. I'm just talking about wasting your time on the things of the world. When we were children, that's what we acted like. But when we're men, we grow up and we leave the things, the childish things behind. We spend time with God. We spend time with Jesus. Why? Because we love him and we want to be with him. What you love is what you're going to spend your time in. If you take for a moment your week, you take a moment for your day, you take a moment, and I think it's a good thing to do and take account. All of us should. And take that time and just work out how much time do you spend with Jesus? How much time do you spend with him? I'm not talking about how many sermons you listen to. I'm not talking about how many books are you reading. I'm not talking about how many songs are you listening to. I'm talking about how much time do you just spend with Jesus. Listen carefully because this is how you fall out of love with Jesus. And it's actually quite serious. What you love is what you'll spend time with. But not only that, what you love is what you'll serve. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus said these words, Luke 16 and 13. Luke 16 and 13, Jesus said these words, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. You can't serve the both. See, what you love is what you're going to serve. I will serve thee, was the song say, because I love thee. That's what servanthood is. We serve him. Why? Because we love him. You know, Paul found in the ministry that he was engaged in, he writes about that good fight. He writes about finishing the course. He writes about keeping the faith. He writes about a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me, shall give me at that day, not only to me, but all those that love his appearing. Then he says in verse 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. And he writes these words, I believe they're really, really sobering words. For Demas has forsaken me, having what? Having loved the present world. What you love, you're going to serve. What you love, you'll serve. What you love, you'll spend time with. But also what you love, what you love, you'll sacrifice for. Jesus said, if you turn over to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, Matthew 16, 24, a well-known verse, says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross. Let him follow with me. 
See, what you love, you'll be willing to lay your life down for. It's not a case of there's all these laws and rules and regulations. You know what it is, friends? It's because we love him, we're willing to give up, sacrifice our lives, sacrifice our all for him. Sacrifice has almost been taken out of the Christian life. What it is to sacrifice because we're only here a short time. We're to store up all our treasures in heaven because we're going to meet him soon. And so this is the man that is willing to go after him. He'll sacrifice. Why? Because he loves him. Why do men give up all? I believe it's because Paul, writing these words in Galatians 2 and 20, says, I'm crucified with Christ. Never I live. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of of the Son of God. And this is what he said, who loved me. And what did he do? He gave himself. He gave himself for me. He gave us all. You see, it's worth sacrificing your life and your service and your time and everything for the gospel. It's worth doing it. Not only what you love will you spend time with, will you serve, will you sacrifice for. But you know what you love, you'll also obey. You'll also be obedient. If you turn over to John 14 and verse 15, Jesus writes these words or says these words, John 14 and 15. He said, John 14, 15, if ye love me, Jesus said, Keep my commandments. Now listen, this is important because verse 16 is connected to 15. Put it in the context. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then he says, and I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he will abide with you forever. The Holy Ghost is given to them that obey. See, what you love, you'll obey. Jesus said, if you turn over to the next chapter in John 15 and verse 10, if you keep my commandments, if you walk in my way, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might be full. There is a blessing in obedience. There's a joy in obeying, that the joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I Have loved you. Brothers and sisters, listen carefully. It's so important because the church at Ephesus, the reason it was a real church that existed at that time, but it's also a prophetic church. There'll come a time, and throughout the generations, and even in these days, there'll come a time that there could be a church, it's possible, or an individual that would actually fall out of love with Jesus. See, what you love, listen carefully, is what you're going to talk about. What you love is what you're going to talk about. Philippians 3 and 20, Paul writes and says, For our conversation, he says, it's in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What you love is what you'll want to talk about. If you can't find a Christian man or a woman that don't, you know, they should want to talk about Jesus. They should want to talk about the Lord. They should want to talk about his word. They should want to talk about the things of God. Why? Because that's what they love. If you can't find a man or a woman calls himself a Christian that they can't talk about Christ, but they'll talk about everything else. 
Friends, I want to tell you it's a question about love. Peter says these words, if you turn over to it in 1 Peter 4 and 7. He says, the end of all things is at hand, 1 Peter 4 and 7. Be ye therefore sober, watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent love among yourselves, for charity or love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man has received the gift. Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Brothers and sisters, the most important relationship that you're engaged in is your relationship between you and Christ first. It can't be anything else until that one's right, then nothing's right. Jesus is saying to a church, listen, I've come, or an individual, I've come, I've seen your labor, I've seen your work, I've seen your faithfulness, I've seen that you haven't fainted, I know you have discernment, I know you can discern those that are, that, that are apostles, claiming to be apostles, and they're not, you find them to be liars, you're able to discern all those things, but listen, there's a problem here, you've left your first love. They weren't in the world, they weren't in the bars, they weren't in the clubs, they weren't out doing all things that they shouldn't have been doing, but they'd left that intimate relationship with Jesus. They were no longer passionately in love with the Lord. They were no longer fervently having the love of Christ in their hearts because it was vertical first. They had a passion for him, but now it's gone and Christ is walking in the midst of the church. He's walking in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He's spending that time. His desire, he hasn't come, but he's come to have a a restoration of that relationship, that love, that passion. And he walks in the midst of the church and he examines every heart. He knows mine, he knows yours. And he's looking into that heart and he's saying there was once a passion. There was once a love. There was once a real fervency for me. There was once all you wanted to talk about was me. All you wanted to serve was me. All you wanted to do was live for me. All you wanted to do was spend your time in my word. You had a passion to be in the place of prayer. You had a passion to serve me and to worship me. There was a passion. Why? Because you loved me. You loved me. And now he walks in the midst of the church and he looks at those hearts. He's not coming, in in essence, to condemn them. He's coming to say, what has happened to our relationship? What has happened? Where are we today? Jude writes these words, he says in Jude verse 20. But ye, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. He says, pray in the Holy Ghost. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ on the eternal life. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the intimacy with Christ. Keep yourself at that place at the feet of Jesus. Keep yourself at the cross. Keep yourself there. Why? Because it's possible. It is possible. It is possible to fall out of love with Jesus. Here's the striking words in verse 4. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, 
because you have left thy first love. He says, now remember, remember therefore from whence. Do you know what he says? He says that they'd fallen. They had fallen. And he says, I want you to remember where you fell. I want you to go back to where it actually has gone wrong. You don't spend time with me anymore. You you just go through the motions, go to meetings. You, You just go through the songs. You just go, but you don't spend time with me. You've filled your time with other things, with the pleasures of this world, with the, with the things that may not be sinful things in that sense, but you just fill your time with everything else but me. And I'm the source of your life. I'm the source in that church. And so he calls that individual or individuals, he says, now I want you to repent and do the first works. And he says these words, and I'm just going to tell you what he said. He says, or else I will come unto thee quickly and I'll remove the candlestick out of this place except you repent. Who was this to? This was to the church at Ephesus. This was the church that was and that will be prophetically in these days. I want to tell you, friends, something wonderful about Jesus There's a place of restoration and reviving with him. I'll show you it with John in John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we're reading about a man called Peter. A man that denied him three times. A man that had promised that he would never let the Lord down. That he was going all the way with Jesus. And sadly, he'd let the Lord down and denied him. Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus hadn't finished with him? He hadn't finished. And I want to tell you, friends, if you're pricked in your conscience by the Spirit of God tonight because you're not in love with Christ, I want to tell you, I want to tell you this. He's not here to take the candlestick tonight. He's here to restore your relationship. That's why he's here. There's this wonderful meeting on the beach in John chapter 21 and verse 15. And it says, so when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He says unto him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he says unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. Verse 17, he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he had said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know, he knows all things tonight. He just knows all things. There's not a heart in this room that he doesn't know. There's not a life that he doesn't know. He simply knows all things. He says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said unto him, I want you to feed my sheep. In other words, when that restoration of that relationship came, Peter then was enabled and equipped to feed others. Friends, I believe that the Lord 
is doing a work in his church in these days. And these seven churches of the book of Revelation are right up to date. They are right up to date for the days in which we are living in. Christ is walking in the midst of the candlesticks, the church of this age. I believe that with everything. He's sanctifying it, cleansing it, making it ready because he's coming for it. He's sanctifying it by his Holy Spirit. He's looking into that church and all its activity. Thank God he commends that for all the activity. But he simply said to the church at Ephesus, Listen, you've left your first love. Those words, friends, you've left your first love. Think about it. Let that drop from your intellect. Let that drop from your theology. Let that drop from everything. Let it drop into your heart tonight as God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to you. And you know, you know, oh God, I used to love you. I used to love you with a greater passion, a greater fervency. I want to tell you, friends, I believe every Christian in this room tonight that loves the Lord should be saying, oh God, I want to love you more. I want to love you more. I want to love you more. You might say, Tim, I'm fine. I'm, I, I know I love the Lord and I'm in a relationship. Is right. But you know, friends, even at that, I say and with all my heart tonight, oh God, I still want to love him more. I want to love him more. It's God speaking to some heart tonight. Individual. God speaking to mine, speaking to yours. And he's saying, I'm right in the midst. I'm walking Heart to heart, seat to seat, row to row, front to back, back to front. And he's searching into all the hearts. Let me ask you, friend, is the relationship, is the love, is the passion, is it all still as it was? Or is something, time, things so easy for things to creep in and to take away that passion and that love for Christ? Then tonight he says, would you repent and do the first works and I'll restore and together we can live for Christ in these final moments of time. I want to love Jesus more, not less. I want to love him more, friends. Not ashamed to say that I love Christ with all of my heart tonight, but I tell you, I do want to love him more. I want to love him more. Do you? Do you? Let's pray tonight in this meeting.